Good morning, everyone. It is the 6th of September. My name is Louise Summers, and I am joined today by Seamus Lyons and Asim Kadri. Equity markets were mixed last week. The big data release for the week was the non-farm payroll numbers from the US. The market was looking for 750,000. Seamus, how did they react to the reported figure? Hi, Louise. Job creation in August came out very far from expectations. So as you mentioned, the non-farm payrolls, they were released on Friday. They came in at 235,000 new jobs created. This is well below the 725,000 that was expected by consensus. So it's a very big miss by all accounts. But, you know, it's not the first time in the current recovery phase that we've experienced some large disappointments here. So we saw something similar in April of this year. And actually, this proved to be a blip at the time. And, you know, a month later, job creation resumed at a brisk pace. So if we were to look through this and, in fact, smooth the data, get a sense of the underlying trend, the figure actually remains quite strong. So the three-month average to August hit its second highest level since the beginning of the year. And some of this is due to, on Friday, there was an upward revision to the July print on the employment numbers. And also, if we excluded the hospitality and leisure sectors, you know, these continue to be affected by the ebb and flow of the pandemic. You know, the three-month figure is at its highest level since the beginning of the year. So the context is important here. And I think this can be seen as well in market reaction to the figure did not really overreact at all. Besides some preliminary jitters, it was announced it, the market in the flat on the day. So I think it was one of those cases of bad news is good news in that the weaker figure supports the view that the Fed is less likely to rush its decision on tapering of QE. So keeping the liquidity tap fully open and the markets like this. Okay, no, that's a very pragmatic way of looking at it and true that you can't just always rely on one bite. We also had the unemployment data for August, which we had expected to continue an improving trend. Yes, there was better news on the unemployment rate because this fell to 5.2, which is a new pandemic era low. And this figure did come in around market expectations. But, you know, it also indicates there's a long way to go. The total non-farm payrolls, they are still down about 3.5% from their February 2020 levels. Employment in leisure and hospitality has picked up a lot in recent months. They are still down around 10% relative to their levels before the pandemic. And also, you know, you see similar numbers in the food and drinking places. They're still down about 8% as well. It was a good figure, but it also indicates there's still a long way to go. How does this all fit with the more subdued consumer confidence data? Conference board, they reported on Tuesday that their consumer confidence index had dropped to a, a weak reading of uh, 113.8 in August. So this number was the lowest level that we have seen in the index since February. And even actually the July index number, which had been reported previously, that was revised down from its previous estimate as well. So, And then we actually add to that previous Friday, the University of Michigan, they do a consumer sentiment survey as well. And that also had shown a sharp fall. So indeed, recent consumer confidence data has actually been on a weakening trend. The conference board, they said it was concerns about the resurgence of COVID cases in the US, as well as worries about rising gas and food prices. This had contributed to the drop. As we know, there has been some rising cases on the Delta variant because a bit of an issue in the US. I think a lot of that's playing through with these figures. Perhaps some context is important here. Look further into the details of some of the surveys that have come out. It continues to suggest that consumer appetite to spend remains well above its long-term level. And this would suggest that we're kind of dealing with at the moment is a resurgence in a more generic anxiety around the pandemic, but actually it's had a limited impact so far on the actual economic decisions of households and consumer spending. That's really encouraging. Thank you, Seamus. There is something of a parallel story in China, Essen, with the Kexin manufacturing PMI falling below the critical 50 level. Hi Louise, yes that's right. So last week we saw some eye-catching macro figures from China. So as you mentioned, the Kaixin manufacturing PMI fell to below 50, thus indicating that the manufacturing sector was contracting for the first time since the early stages of the COVID pandemic in April last year. 
So the August figure came in at 49.2. So below the 50 mark that celebrates expansion from contraction and below the consensus expectations of 50.1. So the data says points to signs of slowing growth momentum in China. And that's really on the back of the strict measures that China imposed last month in order to curb the spread of the Delta variant. China's also been dealing with weaker export demand, high raw materials prices, and also a slowing property sector. And all of those had already resulted in a slowdown in growth even before the most recent COVID outbreak. So this deteriorating macro backdrop has increased expectations that policymakers could increase monetary and fiscal stimulus and over recent days, policymakers have stepped up financial support for small businesses and also pledged better use of local government bonds to support the economy as well. And we've seen quite a rally in the hard-hit tech sector. Yeah, so obviously July and early August saw a pretty sharp fall in the Chinese tech sector, really on the back of the announcements regarding a tougher regulatory framework. However, the last two to three weeks have seen somewhat of a recovery. So the Hang Seng Tech Index, which tracks around 30 of the largest tech and internet names in China, the likes of Alibaba and Tencent, so was at a three-week high last week. So it appears that the rally for August low has primarily been driven by investors being attracted by depressed valuations of these mega cap tech names. On the surface, it does seem as though the market has priced in or seems to have priced in much of the negative news flow around these names. So according to the typical you know, technical analysis indicators, these Chinese tech stocks are appearing oversold. And coupled with that is the increasing expectations that there will be some monitoring easing in China, as I mentioned. And that's close to a healthy buy- buying environment over the last couple of weeks, but in particular last week. But I should mention at the end of the week, did see the tech stop drop as investors remained wary over potential new regulatory clampdowns. And also there was concern over how Alibaba's large charitable donation, which it announced, could harm its future earnings. So I think we still have to bear in mind that officials haven't given a clear signal in terms of the potential easing on the regulatory front. So it's likely that volatility will persist for the tech sector in China. If we stay with China for the week ahead, both imports and export data are expected to be lower. Is this another reason to expect policy stimulus? Yeah, so trade data is released tomorrow. Both exports and imports are expected slow from July. And that's really been driven by the outbreak of the Delta variant, disrupted a number of port operations. In terms of potential stimulus, I think it's difficult to make a call on the likely timing of announcements. Certainly, the prospect of more kind of weak macro data makes it more likely monetary and fiscal policy kind of will be needed to kind of counterbalance the drags on growth. On the central bank front, Seamus, the European Central Bank is due to give an update on interest rates. Indeed. So the ECB, they meet later this week. Market participants will be keenly focused on any clues as to their future movements. So for sure, there'll be no major policy moves announced by the ECB this week. However, inflation has begun to tick up in Europe. So headline inflation rose to 3% year on year in August. And this was more than expected and you know quite a move from the 2.2% we'd seen in July. And on the back of this, some of the more hawkish members in the ECB, they're now more directly discussing the intensity of QE. This raises a question in the market about a potential European tapering as well. The pandemic emergency purchase program, we're expecting to see some reduction in the pace of purchases there in the coming months as the ECB responds to like an improvement in the market conditions. But there are some ambiguities in the ECB forward guidance mechanism and the market, they're going to be focused on this and they'll be focused this week to see if there's any new clarity on this when they issue their press releases later in this week. A lot unfolding over the week. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Louise. Thank you, Louise.